Hi everyone! Welcome back to episode four of Drink Read Fabio. It concludes one whole month of doing this podcast. So fun! It's so fun. I'm Kate Brimmer, and I'm Sophia Kaiafis. And this podcast is a little thing we like to do where we celebrate um, romance novels and the silly, cliche ones that you see in Barnes & Nobles with the naked man on the front cover. Sir Fabio. Sir Fabio. That you always look at and want to reach for, but never do because it's a little bit embarrassing. It's also just, you know, maybe the content is always the best literature, but you have fun anyway. And that's what we're here to do. Exactly, but we never want to leave you with just a book that you wouldn't necessarily want to reach for, which is why at the beginning of every podcast, we give you a book that we 100% recommend that we think everybody should read. Exactly. And so for this week's podcast, I'm starting off with the book, The Anxious People, which I'm sure you've seen everywhere. It's trending right now, Mm -hmm. but it is trending for a reason because this book is so meaningful it is about a, a attempted bank robbery turns hostage situation. Mm-hmm. So it is a group of strangers that are all viewing an apartment that is for sale when a bank robber that tries to rob a cashless bank runs into once the bank teller says that she's going to call the cops and basically locks himself in the room with all of these people and holds them hostage, but they honestly all end up becoming friends Mm-hmm. And the relationship of how not all people are good or bad. Everybody, no matter what your demographic is, no matter what your views are, we all are on the same level page if you're an attended bank robber or if you are a owner of a bank um, and are very wealthy. Everybody's mm-hmm. the same. Everybody's good people. And everybody's just trying to do the best they can do in life um, based on what life throws at them. Yeah. Which I think is really beautiful and really profound. I wanted to read the last page of the book to you all to kind of inspire you because it is honestly really meaningful and kind of gives you a sense of what the book is about. Mm -hmm. So it goes, the truth, the truth about all this, the, the truth is that this was a story about many different things, but most of all about idiots because we're doing the best we can. We really are. We're trying to be grown up and love each other and understand how the hell you're supposed to insert USB leads. We're looking for something to cling on to, something to fight for, something to look forward to. We're doing all we can to teach our children how to swim. We all, we have all of this in common, yet most of us remain strangers. We never know what we do to each other, how your life is affected by mine. Perhaps we hurried past each other in a crowd today and neither of us noticed, and the fibers of your coat brushed against mine for a single moment, and then we were gone. I don't know who you are. But when you get home this evening, when this day is over and the night takes us, allow yourself a deep breath, because we made it through this day as well. There'll be another one along tomorrow. That's the end. That's nice. Isn't that so nice? Yeah. It's really a great book. I think everybody should read it. And yeah, I'm excited to read it. It gives you a new outlook on the world, mm-hmm. especially in times like this where, you know, there's wars happening. There's so many political arguments every day. The world seems so divided. It kind of brings you back to the basis of just human beings in general mm-hmm. and how everybody's really just trying to do the best they can do for their families. Yeah. And in this book, 
three of the women that are part of the hostage situation end up sitting in a closet together and they find that the person that lives in that apartment and is trying to sell it hides bottles of wine in their closet. So they pull out a bottle and just start sipping straight from it um, all together while they're telling their life stories. And it kind of reminds you that alcohol not only is like a carefree, fun thing to do, it also is something that brings people together and unites groups of people as one. Yeah. Which I think is really powerful and shows that, you know, there are multiple meanings to what we do here. And we want to enjoy, invite you guys to join us and yeah. sit down and become our become a part of our family. Yeah, exactly. Which I love. So, to make this drink, it's going to start off with sparkling red wine, because of course that's what Ooh, they drink. I didn't even know sparkling red wine was a thing. Yes, <laughs> very fun. We are amateurs with alcohol, so. <laughs> of course, so I'm actually gonna call this drink sitting in a closet. Perfect. It's <laughs> funny. So it's kind of my take on a wine spritzer but it's going to be four ounces of sparkling wine oh that's why it popped out and fell over the floor oh yeah earlier it's because it's, it's sparkling, sparkling. <laughs> <laughs> good yes and this one is a stir stir it's not a shaker. not a shaky boy sorry guys we couldn't bring the shaker out for you today a fancy I shaker know. and then we'll do one ounce of aperol spritz Noise. And then after your one ounce of Aperol, or Aperol liqueur, you're going to do two dashes of bitters. Bitters. Because we're fancy ladies. Now you just give it a little mix. Stir, little stir it up, up, stir it up, stir it, stir it up. Yeah. And there you have it. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, I like it. Me too. It's good. Mm. That's nice. Mm -hmm. Okay, everyone. Are you ready? Here we go. For this week. I cannot wait. Okay. So, this was my thought process for this week. Mm -hmm. We do love the Fabios. Yes. We are male lovers. Of course. But... I was a little bit tired of all these misogynistic men. So we have a lesbian romance today. Okay. It's called The Care and Feeding of Waspish Widows. Oh. We've got these two women on the cover. It, it's a little bit... Mm, Cliché? Yeah, it's kind of... Stereotypical? A bad photo. It's stereotypical lesbians. Yes. We got the one that's like the more male femme, femme and the one that's more Mask. masculine. So, yeah. Okay. So, I'm just going to get right into it. Mm -hmm. So, this takes place in the summer. It starts off in the summer of 1820. Okay. So, it's England. Kind of a renaissance book. Yes. Yes. Love that. So... We have our two main characters, Agatha Griffin, who on the cover <laughs> is the more femme one. Um, she is 43 years old. She's oh. a widow of three years, so recently widowed. And she owns and runs her own print shop in the city of London and prints a paper called The Menagerie. She has a 19-year-old son named Sidney. He helps out in the shop. 
but like once he's off work he usually is out at like rallies and speeches and like going to listen to like um things that are more like up in the modern like thinking way of thinking so he's like a feminist and like wants to stand up for the common man so like we love that we love um and then we also get to meet agatha's apprentice eliza Mm. who she loves and is like the best um and she has a little romance going on with her son sydney oh yes we got a double yes and then our other leading lady is Penelope Flood. Mm-hmm. She is 45 years old. She's a beekeeper, but Cute. she lives in the country. Her husband is off working on a ship with her, uh, Penelope's brother, so he doesn't visit often. But they were in a love match, so it's okay. Like, she's like, you know, you can go off, do your job on the ship, and I'm, I'll be fine. Well, yeah, she's a lesbian. Yeah. She's, yeah, that's why she's okay with it, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but she's often seen sporting her husband's clothing, especially when she's working. So everyone in town, like, knows her as, like, the girl who wears, like, men's clothing. And it's, like, kind of, like, the gossip of the, of the country, city, Ooh. town, whatever. So um, when we first meet Penelope, she is at a funeral for one of her dearest friends, Isabella. And Isabella is a sculptor who's known for sculpting erotic statues. Yes. So, and when she got sick, Penelope took over caring for her bee garden. Aw. When she's at the funeral, um, she and a couple other people are taken aside to start, like, to get the reading of the will. So this includes Mr. Oliver, who's the vicar. Do you know what a vicar is? I have no idea. I didn't either. But he's basically a representative of the bishop. So basically... Even though he's in a religious figure, it's kind of also like he's a governmental figure because of the time period. Gotcha. Religion and government were so closely tied. Anyway, he's Isabella's nephew. Then we have Lady Somerville, who is his sister, and she's literally the worst. So okay. she's Isabella's niece. Cute. And her husband. And then Mrs. Mosley, who is a poet and Isabella's longtime friend, also, also her lesbian lover. So we've got two... Gay couple. Well, we don't know. We don't have two yet. But we know there's going to be a gay couple. And there's already one, like, right from the get-go. Here's... And remind me, who is her lover? Who are the two that are together? So, Mrs. Mosley uh-huh. and Isabella. But Isabella died. Oh, the one that passed. Passed away. You. Yes. And then we have Mr. Oliver and Lady Somerville, our brother and sister. Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Oliver just gets money. The house and grounds and the statues go to Lord and Lady Somerville. The rest of the estate and the Napoleon snuff box, which is like a jeweled crested box that holds like scented powdered tobacco. It's a very like big deal. This Mm -hmm. box goes to Mrs. Mosley. And um, Lady Somerville's pissed about this (laughs) because she wants everything. She's such a bitch. She's like wants the world basically. And then... Penelope gets the beehives mm-hmm. and is asked to continue to take care of them. Um, that's basically what happens in that, like, storyline. Then we go back to Agatha, and Agatha heads over to her, like, warehouse and goes to a particular aisle to get something, and she finds that bees have made a home there in the aisle. And she's like, oh, no, what do I do? So she goes to her mother-in-law, who used to be a beekeeper, of course, mm-hmm. and her mother-in-law is like, okay, Go find Penelope, Flood. She will help you. So then Agatha goes to Penelope, and this is when they meet. 
And Penelope instantly is attracted to Agatha. She's like, oh my God, she's so beautiful, whatever. Agatha tells Penelope her issue that she has bees. And she's like, you need to come with me. We need to fix this bee problem, girl. (laughs) So Penelope comes. She's like, okay, we can totally do this. It's going to take a little bit of time, but I got it. So she gets the bees out safely. She like doesn't kill them because that's not what they want to do. And she puts them in like a skep, which is, I don't really know what a skep is, but I think it's like one of those things that hold bees mm-hmm. safely. And Penelope's like, okay, well, I don't have room to keep more bees. And all the people in my town don't have room to keep bees because they already have bees for their, to get fresh honey. So you keep them. And Agatha's like, um... No way. I don't want any bees. I can't take care of bees. I don't know how to do that. And also, I'm never at the warehouse. I work in the city. Mm. And she's like, if I take them, then you need to come and take care of them. I'll keep them here, but you need to come take care of them. And Penelope's like, okay, I'll keep you updated. So then they start writing letters to each other to like about the bees to keep like each other in the loop. But then they start talking about other stuff and like talking about themselves. And then they become really good friends. And, like, a crush is starting to form. And Penelope eventually writes that the honey crop is almost ready. So she's like, you need to come back to the warehouse to come help back me. Yeah, come back and see me. And um, also in this book, there's, like, a shit ton about bees and, like, the facts about caring for bees. And I was just like, get to the romance. Like, <laughs> I, I don't care. I don't care about bees and, like, what you do. Sorry. Anyway. After they finish, Agatha is like, I kind of still want to hang out with you girls. So Aww. can I come help you, like, take care of the other bees that you have to take care of in this town? And Penelope's like, oh, my God, yes, girl. I would love that. <laughs> and so then they spend the rest of the day together. Mm-hmm. And then Penelope's like, do you want to go to dinner with me? <gasps> she asks her out. Yeah. And Agatha's like, yes. And so they go to her go-to place, the Four Swallows. And at the restaurant, they meet this singer named Nell, who is, like, Nell. she usually goes and sings, like, popular tunes of the town. Like, not, like, full-on songs. It's, like, those ones where it's, like, Donnie went to the carriage and he <laughs> grew some flowers. You know, it's, like, stupid things like that. Anyway, she'll become more important later in the story. Nell. But Nell, she's a singer at this restaurant. After that visit, Agatha visits once a week. She starts going once a week to visit Penelope. She's... She's gone. She's gone. She's full on in. And one of their days hanging out, Agatha is asking Penelope like about her husband and like what he does. And she tells her about, Penelope tells her that her husband and her brother work together on the ship. And then kind of like secretly, like underhandedly reveals that her brother and her husband are lovers. (gasps) So we got another gay couple. (laughs) Uh, that's kind of cute, though, because they're kind of each other's beards. Yeah, exactly. Because she's like, well, they're in the family, so no one suspects it's weird that they're always together. Mm-hmm. That's helpful, actually. She's like, I can be a lesbian, and you can love my brother. Yes, but then, but this is the thing, though. Because Penelope is a woman, she has to look like a devoted wife. Oh. So, So Agatha's like, that's great and all, but... That means that you can't love who you want to love because you have to present yourself as this, like, devoted wife. And he's off on the ship and no one knows what he's doing because he's alone with your brother. So she kind of just has to, like, put aside her needs. Her, her needs or, like, kind of just be 
in secret all the time. And she feels guilty to love someone else because she's married to someone. That's hard. As a woman. Um, so then they're spending the day together. They go to the estate and the sculpture garden is empty. <gasps> all these erotic sculptures are gone. And Penelope's furious because she's like, I think Lady Somerville has something to do with it. Like she either like sold them or ruined them. Like something happened. Because technically like, they belong to her. They belong to her. So she can do whatever she wants with them. But like this woman, like her, her, her aunt life. was like, this was like her, her creations. Her career. Yes. Were these sculptures. All her, her art. And she like disposed of them. We don't know why or where mm-hmm. what happened to them so penelope's like i'm gonna find out mm-hmm. and then there's this whole like political side of the book which was just kind of like i think she wanted to like bring history into it but it okay. kind of just made it boring so i'm not going to go into that but anyway the queen and king are having um issues okay and um lady somerville has invited all the ladies in their town to protest um for the queen's rights in the city and which includes Penelope because she lives in the town too. Mm-hmm. So Penelope writes to Agatha to tell her that. And then she asks if she can stay with her in the city. So of course Agatha says yes because she's like, oh my God, she's going to come stay with me. And when Penelope shows up, Agatha has no guest rooms. So she has to sleep in the same bed with Agatha. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Okay, it's a sleepover, which is gals having a sleepover. sleepover. Yes. And Agatha's like, you know, I'm going to stop working for the day and just show you around the city and we're just going to have fun. Cute. So after a long day of hanging out, they end up sleeping in the same bed, but like nothing happens, which was so boring. Because you were waiting for it probably. I know. I was like, oh my God, this is the moment. Nope. Both of them reveal though to the reader that they're like, ugh. I want to touch her so bad, and I'm trying to restrain myself, and this is horrible, and I can't sleep at all. Aww. It's just this whole thing. Like, it takes so long for them to get together. I'm like, ugh. When you pick up a book Hurry like up. this with the cover being that, all you want is the romance slutty parts. Yeah, like, they're sleeping in the same bed. That's what you're picking it up for. She's so really, why do they make you wait? She's trying to drag it on, like, to make you be like, ugh, when is it coming? Please. When is it coming? Yeah, it's like a tease. Then the next day, Agatha is like, I have something to show you, Penelope. Mm -hmm. So she takes her to this courtyard in London, and there are some of the sculptures in this, like, little courtyard. And Agatha's like, yeah, I reached out to these people around town, and I found this art collector who somehow bought some of them and are displaying them in this courtyard. And Penelope's like, you did this for me. I'm so happy. I don't know how I can repay you. Aww. Which is really cute and sweet. That's and really then sweet. um, they still don't know what happened to the other ones, which is annoying. Very. Fast forward. Agatha still visits literally all the time. And now when she goes to stay with Penelope, she now stays in her like house and in the room adjacent to hers. So like their rooms like have doors that connect, but they don't stay in the same room. Oh, so it's kind of... Because at this time, men and women didn't have the same room, so they always had a door that connected them. So she's staying in her husband's old room. Yes. Gotcha. So I'm going to read you this quote that I just think is funny. <laughs> um, so this is Agatha. So what if her room directly adjoined Penelope's floods? 
It wasn't as though Agatha spent any time in bed imagining what Flood was doing on the other side of that wall, in a bed that must have smelled of her, sprawled out warm and soft and sleepy-eyed as the autumn moonlight danced through the window and spilled out onto the antique carpet. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a teenager. Yeah, she's like, so I don't care. It's fine, even though she's beautiful and I want to go over there and cuddle, but and I don't smell care. her. So then Miss Mosley, who is Isabella's lover, mm-hmm. um, tells the ladies that she can't find the snuff box that was like given to her in the will. She's like, I don't know where it is. I'm pissed because I am scared that Lady Somerville took it and it's rightfully mine. So Agatha has this idea from hearing Nell sing at the, at the restaurant that Mrs. Mosley, because Miss Mosley is a poet, to write a poem bad-mouthing Lady Somerville because <gasps> she's like, let's see if it'll like stir something up in her and she'll be like, fine, like you made a fool of me, I'll give you this and shut up. So um, Mrs. Mosley like, but I can't say her name straight up because that's too like forward. We need to like find a nickname or something. And then Mrs. Mosley like, oh, I know. So I'm gonna do this part. Okay, so she goes, okay, well, I can't use her name, so, but she does have another name, but her other name is not something you can rhyme with. And she's like, whose last name? She says, Lady Somerville's, of course. Somerville's only the title. The Viscount's family name is actually Sprinklin. Ew. <laughs> and she goes, it's what? And she said, if it weren't for the courtesy title she'd be mrs archibald sprinklin sprinklin <laughs> so she creates this this whole song called lady sprinklin and it's like this whole joke that becomes this huge song everyone knows it now it becomes famous now singing it it's like this huge deal um and she ends up actually making a song out of it very cute mr oliver lady Somerville's brother finds out that mrs mosley wrote it and says you can't live in um, the estate anymore, even though you technically have part of it from the will. I'm kicking you out. How is that fair? Because of, um, you know, hurting my sister's feelings. How is that fair, though? It's partly hers. Because he's, um, one, a man, and two, because he's a high representative in the government. He basically can do whatever he wants because she basically um, offended a lady of society. Yeah, it's annoying. Stupid. So Mrs. Mosley goes to Agatha and she's like, because he's like, you can't even stay in this, in our town. You need to go to the city for a while and then you can come back. So she goes to Agatha because she knows Agatha's in the city and she's like, I need a place to stay and work because I've been kicked out of the estate. <gasps> I see how this is going. And Agatha's like, uh, and asks Ag- Agatha, she can print her poems in the paper. Mm-hmm. And Agatha's like, okay, I'll pay you for the, you know, part of your um, pay for this, the paper if it sells. So they come up with a pen name or whatever, like a secret name called the Widow Wasp, which is where our title comes from. Love it. Um, and her poems then become the talk of the town and their papers sell out super quickly. That's like, awesome. Everyone loves it. Everyone's getting a hoot out of it because it's like kind of like, they're kind of writing things that are a little bit offensive and like, satirical against the government because you know we got a lot of like mrs mosley she's gay we got agatha 
she's probably gay, obviously, because that's what the book's about. So, like, we've got some, like, feminist power here. And she's like, we're going to write these um, very modern um, types of poems. Yes, exactly. After that, Penelope has Agatha over and tells her that her brother wrote to say that they will be coming home for Christmas. So her and her brother, her brother and her husband are going to be coming home for Christmas. She's like, uh, but I'm so bummed because I wanted um, you and like Sydney and Eliza to come over for Christmas. And Agatha's like, but why can't you? You stay at the whole estate because Lady Somerville doesn't live there right now. Oh. So she's like, why can't I stay there? And she's like, um, well, to be honest, I don't know how to act around my husband. Like when he's around, I feel weird and I feel like I have to pretend like I'm something I'm not, which is straight. But she hasn't told Agatha yet. But they haven't done anything. So why does it matter? Because she just revealed that. Oh. She just revealed I'm a lesbian to Agatha. She goes, I feel like I have to pretend something I'm not, which is straight. And she's like, she tells Agatha she's only ever loved women. And it just is always strange around her husband. Because they're not like really even friends. Well, because her husband is gay as well. Yeah. So they feel like they have to both pretend to be what they aren't. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just kind of weird, and she didn't want to bring her into that. I got you. And Agatha's like, don't worry. I am still your friend, Mm -hmm. and I want to be there for Christmas if you'll have me. And Mm -hmm. Penelope's like, oh, that would be amazing. I would love that. Thank you so much for being such a great friend. Friend. Wink, wink. wink. So Agatha, Sydney, and Eliza go over for Christmas, and they're opening presents. And then Agatha pulls Sydney aside, her son, and gives him her wedding ring. And she's like, if you're ready to propose, here's this. Like, hint, hint. And Sydney's like, really uncomfortable. And he's like, um, I'm sorry to say, but I don't want to get married to Eliza. And she's like, why? And she's like, he's like, because Eliza doesn't want her freedom taken away. She Aww. wants to be a strong woman, and I want to be there and love her, but I don't want to take her freedom away by being her husband. Like, we just want to be a partnership, and when she's ready to have children, we can re, like, t- we rethink can talk, this. rethink getting married, but right now, we just want to love each other and be together, and I don't want to take her rights away. That's so nice. Because the husband basically gets everything. She raised such a good boy. Exactly. But then Agatha throws a fit. What? She's pissed. Why? She's like, you can't do this to me because she's scared. Oh. Because she's scared for Eliza's safety. Because oh. basically if people find out that she's like fully invested in a man that she's not married to, that they're going to think that she's some kind of like... Harlot. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, I'm really scared. But she doesn't say that. She's just like, I'm pissed. You need to marry her. Blah, blah, blah. You can't do this. And Sydney's like, you can't make me. I'm going to do what I want, basically. So Penelope's super sad, and she's just chilling alone in the kitchen, drinking, and Penelope (laughs) finds her, and she's like, "Uh, what's wrong? And she's like, well, Sydney doesn't want to get married, and I don't know what to do. I'm, like, scared for them. And Penelope's like, I get that, but I also get where he's coming from, because, like, there are these laws that aren't fair, and I think women have way less rights, and... um, than the men do. So this is what she says. Perhaps if I hadn't married John, I wouldn't feel as though we're betraying him to love someone else. Someone else? Who, Penelope? 
she goes, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then Agatha goes, okay, when I was younger, I thought kissing was something only girls did, like young girls. Like, you know, you just messed around, you kissed your friends to see what it was like and practice for when you actually had a husband and all this stuff. And she says, but lately, well, lately I've been thinking perhaps it's not something I'm going to grow out of at, after all. And then Penelope's like, you're saying you could love women? And Agatha's like, not just that. I'm saying I could love you. Aww. Yeah. It's a long time to get there. I know. Oh, my God. This is page 288. Oh, my. So this is like the end of the book that they're finally, like, professing their love for each other. It's a long time. Then they kiss and go upstairs and have sex on Christmas. Ooh, what a present. I know. <laughs> a Christmas they'll never forget. Oh, my gosh. Um, should be the title. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after they have sex, they don't sleep in the same bed after, though, because Agatha is scared that someone's going to find them. The next day, there's this notice that goes out to everyone saying if you hear or see anything blasphemous or seditious to turn people in. Like, the government is, like, freaking out because, obviously, Mr. Oliver, Lady Somerville, everyone's like... All these poetry poems that are going out in the paper, it's ruining my reputation. Oh my gosh. So they're like, turn someone in if you hear anything. So Agatha comes to find out that one of her employees let the government use the papers to print the notice. And she's like, I can't stand for this because I don't believe in that. I don't Mm -hmm. think they should turn people in for speaking their mind. It's freedom of speech, whatever, but freedom of speech wasn't really a thing then. Yeah. Um, But she's like, Show me how much they paid you. And he shows her and she's like, okay, that's a lot of money. <laughs> so we're, we're going to keep it. But we're never doing this again. <laughs> Don't tell anyone. And then she's like thinking and she's like, but wait, where did they get this money from? Because this <gasps> is from like Lady Somerville. And she's like, <gasps> Lady Somerville stole, sold the statues to get this money to pay for all this paper to send out these notices to get her name That's like so evil back yeah and so they go to the four swallows later that week and they're like pissed talking about what they're gonna do nell is performing and her husband comes in and creates this whole scene like he's he's the worst nell's husband yes and basically takes all of her tips and is like they're they're mine because i'm your husband so i'm taking them and you need to get off that stage and come home and starts a whole fight and gets kicked out. Good. And Nell's like, you know what, bitch? I'm singing Lady Sprinklin. Let's go. Because, <laughs> like, it was banned after that. Of course. And now she's like, I'm singing it. Fuck you, bitch. We're doing it. And everyone's so happy. But then Nell is going to get arrested. <gasps> because she sang the song. Someone turns her in. Yeah. And Agatha's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not taking her. Fine, I'll give you the money. I'm giving you all this money so that she won't have to go to jail. And Nella's like, well, I can't go home because my husband might hurt me or hurt my son. Like, I don't know what to do. And so Penelope asks Mrs. Mosley if she can go, if Nell can go live with her and bring her son. And Mrs. Mosley says yes. And so Nell and her son go to live in um, her house. 
But this makes Lady Somerville pissed. Of course. So she's like, I thought this was the end of all this, but now you keep making everything better. So she's like, this is the last straw. So the next day, they go out to the bee garden, and Lady Somerville is like, I'm going to tear it down. Sorry. She found a loophole around the will to say that, she said, the bees are yours, but the bee garden is mine because it's on my grounds. So I'm destroying it and all the bees with it. That's Unless terrible. you can find a way to get the bees out safely. And she's like, I don't know how we're going to do that so quickly because it takes, like, you have to be really careful or you're going to kill them. She's like, you're messing with the wrong gal. So they figure out a way that they're going to do it. So they rally Agatha, Penelope, Penelope's brother, and her husband. And they go out in the middle of the night to go steal all the beehives and get them to safety. But they almost get caught by the soldiers. So um, Penelope's husband makes this whole scene and like starts yelling to distract the soldiers. Then he gets arrested. Oh, Ugh, I know. And the soldiers are like, well, we can't prove that you stole the beehives because there's no evidence, but you did create a disturbance. So he sent to the stocks which is like basically when they like put his arms and his legs and no. then they let people throw vegetables or even worse rocks at him all day. That's, That's his punishment. So awful. So um, Agatha and Penelope are like, what are we going to do? We can't let that happen to him. Like people could really, really hurt him. And they're like, okay, we're going to create this plan that we're going to take the stingers out of these bees, put them in glass jars and release them so it'll make everyone like want to leave. leave. She takes the singers out. She stands in front of the whole crowd before it even starts. Well, actually, some people start throwing stuff. But basically, it just started. And she's like, I'm going to drop this if you don't let him out. And Mr. Oliver is like, sorry, no. And she drops it, and the bees swarm, and all the people are freaking out. So they don't show up all day because there's all these bees around. And so the whole day... He doesn't get hurt because no one wants to come near him because there's all these bees. I love it. <laughs> and then um, all the soldiers are like, well, he lasted here the whole day, so I guess we have to let him out. Mr. Oliver is pissed. Everyone's pissed. So it's just like back and forth, back and forth. So he's yeah. like, okay, so now, now no one is allowed to own bees unless we as a society or like um, government or whatever approve that they are capable of handling bees with safety. And Penelope's like, you can't do this because she knows he's going to take away her bees. Of course. And she's like, you can't do this. I, like, need my bees. They're my livelihood, everything. And she's like, fine. If you do this, I'll tell everyone that your sister used the money from those erotic sculptures to pay for the society's needs. And he's like, this is going to ruin her reputation because she's using these, um, like, salacious. Is that the right word? Salacious? I think so. Like scandalous, these scandalous sculptures to pay for like things that are supposed to be high society. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, fine. It won't take away your bees. She's like, yippee, we won. <laughs> and a couple days later, Agatha goes to visit Penelope. And Penelope is like, I have something to show you. And it's the Napoleon snuff box covered in honeycomb. So Isabella knew that she had to keep it safe from Lady Somerville. So she hid it where she wouldn't look in the bee garden. And the bees 
like covered it and became made a home on top of it and covered it with honeycomb. Aww. And so they found it. That's a sweet ending. And then Penelope asks Agatha to come live with her in the country. Aww. And Agatha's like, I can't. I have my son and my job in the city. Like, I can't do that. So she leaves and Penelope's really, really sad. And she goes back home and she's sad. And she's like, Agatha's sad. And she's looking through all the, her work. And she's like, honestly, like, I've divvied up all my work to, like, Eliza. Like, she's kind of taken over now. So I'm not as important anymore. So you know what? And she goes to Eliza and her son, and she's like, I trust you guys. You have everything under control, and I'm passing off my leadership to you. She's like, I'm still going to be the boss and oversee everything, but you guys are the heads now of our business, and you're going to lead it together, and I trust you to do this together. And she goes off to live with Penelope in the country. And that is the care and feeding of waspish widows. Yay! That was sweet! Yes. So, for the last part, I'm going to have you read a couple different sexy quotes. I love it. On nights like this, standing beside a woman who looked like that, it was extremely trying to remain a respectable widow. <laughs> respectable. <laughs> Agatha clenched her hands so tight her knuckles creaked. A respectable widow! The sermons were wrong. How was it fire and brimstone? How was a dress of soft white muslin <laughs> laced tight around every dip and curve of sturdy Penelope flood? All those snowy, delicate folds just waiting to be ruined by clutching, ink-stained fingers. <laughs> All those sermons were wrong. All those sermons were wrong! It made Penelope instantly begin wondering what else was underneath that billow of fabric. She knew she oughtn't let herself think of it, but it had been such a long and trying day, she simply didn't have the strength to keep her imagination in check. She'd be more virtuous tomorrow, she promised herself, and fixed the sight of Agatha Griffin's ankles in her memory. <laughs> She's like, her oh, ankles, those bare ankles. I gotta remember that. <laughs> Gotta remember that for later tonight. Yeah, I gotta remember that when I'm all alone in my bed. Her <laughs> ankles. <laughs> Love it. Okay, this one, you're gonna laugh out loud. Okay. Just get ready. Oh my god. I literally screamed when I read this. <laughs> okay. Can I show you something? Anything. Agatha breathed, but she was still surprised when Penelope pulled a small box from her bedside table and opened it up to reveal, well, a respectably sized dildo. <laughs> Made from sleek walnut. <laughs> I'm literally obsessed. <laughs> A wooden dildo. Yeah. <laughs> Good God, Flood. Where on earth did you get that? Believe it or not, this was a present from Harry after he made Captain. Harry's her brother. <gasps> <laughs> when your brother's like... I got you something. <laughs> read what he said. Read what he said. Uh, Nantucketers call it a he's at home. Every whaler's wife should have one. <laughs> he's like, your husband's not in town. Here you go, girl. Also, I fuck your husband. Wink, yeah. Wink. 
Wink, wink. Here's a dildo. Can you believe? This is the best thing I can do for you. Her brother and her shared a man. Yeah. Can we get over how uncomfortable that is? And then her brother gives her a dildo as a present. <laughs> I just love that it's called a he's at home. He's at home. <laughs> and then they use it after this <gasps> together. Oh. It's quite scandalous. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is scandalous. The they fan- chopped it down. Yeah. There was some wood whittler like Yeah, the wood yes. whittler. It's like <laughs> this penis. <laughs> yes. So there we are. I love it. What did you think? It was so fun. What a good time. Yes. There's some great moments. Okay, so I'm going to do my rating. Uh-huh. So for all of you new listeners, this is how our rating system works. Kate's going to tell us. Our rating is going to go from the best, which is slightly buzzed, tipsy, drunk, stumbling, blackout. Yes. So that is, you know, five stars to one star with some fun names. Yes. So I am back and forth about this because generally it wasn't as ridiculous mm-hmm. as like the Cowboy Wolf one. Like, mm-hmm. It was pretty cute. Like, mm-hmm. there were a lot of cute moments, and, like, gen- generally, that's, like, a good story. Nothing weird, really. But it was kind of boring. Mm. There's a lot of parts in it where it was just, like, about the, like, politics at the time and, like, not really about the romance and about all these other people, like, Nell and Mrs. Mosley and all these, like, Random names. It takes a long time to get there. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, but when you slow. have the cover with two women looking seductively at each other, you expect the book to, like, boom, like, in the first, like, 100 pages, they're already, like, in a romance. That's what you want. Yes, but it just takes so long, and I'm like, it's kind of boring. So it's like, in regards to how crazy it was, like, ridiculous, I would say it was, like, Maybe um, slightly bust, maybe tipsy, but in like an enjoy- an enjoyment level, like actually reading this and being like, this is genuinely a good, genuinely a good book. Stumbling, really? Like, I honestly enjoyed Cowboy Wolf Trouble more just because <laughs> of how ridiculous it was. Yeah, and like sure. so much happens, and it's just like crazy shit the whole time. And this is just kind of like la 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 la. We go and eat. Now we're going to take care of bees. Now we're going to talk. And I'm like, yeah. It's not exactly what you're looking for when you pick up a book such as this. Yes. You're going to want some more sassy moments, some more ridiculous or higher level content. Yeah. Just more like dramatic. And it really, it's just kind of like. You love the twists and turns. You like the extreme conflict, the romance, the heightened sense kind yes. of situations. So I guess we'd have to like, if we're going to rate it completely, it would have to probably be a mixture of those two, which would be drunk. Great. In the middle. In the middle. So another drunk for me. Love it. And that is the care and feeding of waspish widows. Great. That was awesome, Sophia. Yes. Quite we love inclusivity. Story. Oh, and I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot more of that coming up as well. Oh, I can't wait. All right, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that telling of our book of the week. Cannot wait for you guys to join us next week when it is my turn. Yes. I started the book today, and 
It is so ridiculous. I cannot wait. I am so excited. Every week, this is just such a fun time. I love hearing these plot lines. For it's sure. amazing. Don't forget to go pick up anxious people at your local Barnes & Noble. Yes. And join us next week. Yes. Like, subscribe our podcast, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, go watch us on YouTube if you want to see us make our drinks, or watch any of our previous episodes, and we're on Spotify and Apple Podcast app. All that jazz, you know it. And we'll catch you next Tuesday on Drink, Drink Read, Fabio. Bye, you guys.